What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three failed Spartan Marines with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I need a weapon. I'm Keith Baker, and I'm glad I don't live in the year 2552. And I'm Austin Terry, and I gotta know, why don't all the Marines get the Spartan armor? Ah, uh, you know, Austin, it's just, it's just a budgetary issue. Seems like we could save a lot of lives. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Well, of course, on today's show, we'll be talking about the first season of Halo over on Paramount+. Plus. We are finally here. This series has been in development hell for, geez, it's almost 20 years at this point. They've tried to make movies. They tried to make TV shows. You had the Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson involved for a long time. I think Neil Blomkamp, the guy that did District 9 and Elysium at one point, was going to do Halo. Steven Spielberg, who his company produced this at one point, I think he was going to be more involved. So for whatever reason, Halo, they just they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't uh, get it off the ground. And finally, Paramount Plus, of all streamers, was the one to make it happen. The hero we need. <laughs> the Paramount hero Plus. we needed. Master Chief their app could and work. Paramount. Obviously, based on the acclaimed video game series, you know, people call it like the most important video game of all time. It's up there, the first one. Uh, it's one of like the most impressive trilogies of all time. Master Chief is considered to be one of the greatest characters of all time. So once you start throwing those things around, maybe you can kind of go, oh, well, I guess it probably wasn't developed in hell for a while because everybody was too scared to touch this one. But here we are. We have nine episodes and a season two already on the way. So apparently, you know, we're in it for the long haul. Paramount has bought into the Halo brand. So guys, my question to you, of course, as always, is how about you let the listeners know, do you have any history with the Halo video game franchise? And then more importantly, give me your non-spoiler thoughts on Halo season one. Yeah, I have a loose history with the Halo franchise. I haven't played every game. I'm not super well-versed in the lore or anything like that. Um, what I've gotten from the games I've played, I've enjoyed. The multiplayer is always fun. Um, and it's, it's just a good first-person shooter. Um, moving into my thoughts on Halo Season 1, I, against all odds, think I loved it. Um, I had a blast with this first season. Um, like I said, though, I'm not super-versed in the Halo lore, so... If there's things that don't track, I'm not aware of any of that. So just viewing it as a as a show, I really enjoyed the characters. I thought the special effects, for the most part, looked really great. I thought all the combat was really fun. Um, there was one storyline, specifically the Master Chief storyline, that I was way more interested than a kind of a dueling side story. But overall, I think they established the lore for this timeline really well, because this, this is set in a separate timeline from the video games. Um, all of our protagonists, our antagonists, the different factions that are involved, the various political aspects, there was a lot more to the surface than I thought we were going to get from a show based on a first-person shooter. So um, there was just a lot more to the surface than I was expecting, and, and overall I had a great time with this first season. Damn, I, I think I'm more on a high note on this show than I thought I would be as well. Going into it, it did take me a little bit to kind of get into it. I will say that. Like, it took me a few episodes to kind of try to figure out what's going on. To answer your question as far as my history with the franchise, I, I don't think I ever played the games all the way through, if my memory is right. I think I just played, played Halo like, at friends' houses or something like that growing up. Um, but it was enough to know like, some of the weapons that you see in the, uh, in the show. But overall, I'm with Austin. I'm on a high note. I thought the action was really cool. Um, the storyline is very interesting. I think some of it kind of does get lost a little bit, but yeah, overall, I'm I'm up there with it. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll uh, round us out with an agreeance. So we have a triple yes recommendation for Halo. I really enjoyed it too. 
Um, I guess I'm closer to Austin. I definitely have a very loose familiarity with Halo. Uh, it's just one of those, you know, big franchises that some of like the mainline entries have passed me by for whatever reason. I've played all the way through the first Halo. I've played half of Halo 2, skipped three, played all of four, played all of Reach, a lot of with Austin, actually, uh, skipped five and then went straight to Halo Infinite, uh, the newest one that came out last year. So, yeah, so I played a lot of them, but there's definitely a lot of gaps in my knowledge and a lot of the lore I've, ne- I've never really been able to grasp, honestly, because I've just missed so much of it. But uh, it's a series that I enjoy. I don't love it by any means. And going into this series, yeah, it, it was very different. I know a lot of people out there have complaints, particularly with Master Chief, because they feel like a big uh, positive of the character in the games is kind of the stoic nature, a very badass character that doesn't show emotion very often. So I think it hits harder whenever he is able to create connections and friendships and whatever you want to call it. Um, and in this show, they kind of leaned into, we're going to humanize this character. We want you to kind of get to know Chief and like him. And I think people had problems with that. It, it actually kind of ended up working for me. And the show as a whole, there's a lot that I don't understand. There's a lot of like the political stuff, the affiliation stuff, like all of like the motivations that there's so much going on. And it's pretty intricate that I didn't always grasp like fully what was happening. But for whatever reason, like I think like the actors and the writing and the direction, everything was good enough that I was still interested, even if I didn't, you know, catch everything. I had a great time with the action. And my biggest surprise was even when there wasn't action on screen, I was kind of like you guys said, I was pretty interested in the story. And I did not really anticipate that to happen because it's not based on like, you know, Halo 1 specifically the game. It's kind of its own thing. And there's lots of familiar elements, but they did lots of new things. And I, yeah, I got to say it mostly worked for me. I'm excited to talk about it because I think I'm going to end up agreeing exactly with what Austin said. They set up a dueling plot line that I was very interested in at the start, but then they weirdly kind of separate some characters and they create like two separate plot lines. And I was like, oh, okay. And then very quickly, that second plot line was like, oh, gosh, I I want to like this, but I just don't. Please just go back to the main plot line. (laughs) And when Austin said, like we say this a lot on the show, when he said that that plot line doesn't go anywhere, wow, it really just does not come back at the end of the show. It just, they just forgot about it for the last two episodes. It feels like a separate show. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very bizarre. So that, that was my biggest complaint is like, there's a storyline going on that I was constantly like, oh, I'll go back to the other one. But other than that, yeah, Halo's a big recommendation for me. So I really enjoyed it. So it might be worth just bringing this up here before we get into spoilers. Um, 343, the company that makes Halo, has said that this is the silver timeline. Um, I'm sure people that play the games are familiar that Chief typically works with the blue team and this team he works with silver team. So this really has nothing to do with the game. Um, It's not canon. It really doesn't impact the existing lore. It's his own little story. So I want to get your guys' thought. Like, is it worth even comparing this to the game or do you think we should just talk about this as a show? I don't think you should compare it to the game, but you can definitely like make some shout outs to the game. I think there's definitely a lot of like inspired by the game here, but I don't think it's really fair to like hold it up to, oh, he takes his helmet off or like stuff like that, that people may not like because it is, they have said it's its own little thing from the game. That's a good point. I mean, it would have been weird if Chief took his helmet off. And then, like, it was just something that happened once because infamously Chief, like, really never takes his helmet off in the games. Like, you really never see his face except for, like, some, like, hidden bonus content or secret endings or whatever. But even then, you never see the full thing. It's like if he had Pablo Schreiber, like, he had just taken off his helmet for one scene, like, like Mandalorian style, that would have felt weird. But they really buy into it. They were like, look, I know this is weird. Like, Chief's taking his helmet off, but 
it's off most of the time. So they kind of were just like, fuck it. You know, we're just going to totally try and humanize this character and do something different. So, yeah, I think in a lot of ways there is real no reason to compare it to the other stuff. Because like you said, it's not canon. It's a completely new story just with like like the same character names and little shout outs and stuff. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think maybe people got too hyped up, like, oh, I hope this is just like a direct adaptation of the games. And they, I guess, never really wanted to do that. So it, it kind of stands out as being different in that way. The video game medium has tried for so long to break into film and TV. We've gotten Assassin's Creed movie, World of Warcraft, all kinds of stuff. Is this the best video game adaptation for film and TV that we've seen? Because for me, I think it might be. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've always heard great things about Sonic the Hedgehog, the recent movies. I've heard that's good. For what I've seen, I would have to shout out um, Netflix's Castlevania anime. Oh, that's good, too. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great one. damn good. I think I would still I still like that more than something like Halo. But I mean, I I would say Halo immediately jumps to like top five. Uh, I know there's not a lot of competition, but I think very quickly kind of jumped up there for me. Yeah, I think it's definitely better than the... uh... Assassin's Creed movie. Oh my god! Oh, by far, <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> god, is it better than the Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo? The horror movie from the nineties. <laughs> the horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, I think we've kind of covered enough ground here. Before we get into spoilers. I'm, I guess I'm very surprised and happy to report that all three of us definitely recommend this show. So if you have not checked out Halo Season 1, go do yourself a favor. Go watch it. See it for yourself. Make your own opinion. Then come on back because we're going to talk all things spoilers. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. To kick us off, of course, just to catch you up in case you forgot, Halo follows a 26th century war between the United Nations Space Command and the Covenant, a theocratic military alliance of several advanced alien races determined to eradicate the human race. At the forefront is the Master Chief, a Spartan super soldier committed to ending the conflict until he discovers that those that recruited him for the program may not have his best interests in mind. All right, so Halo the Show is created by Kyle Killen and Stephen Kane. Season 1 saw episodes directed by Otto Bothurst, Roel Renee, Jonathan Leibsman, and Jessica Lowry. And our score for the show is composed by Sean Callery, along with Martin O'Donnell's Halo theme from the games. All right, and going into our cast, we have Pablo Schreiber as John, 117, Master Chief, Yaron Ha as Quan Ha, Charlie Murphy as McKee, Olive Gray as Commander Miranda Keys. Bokeem Woodbine as Soren, 066. Kate Kennedy as Kai, 125. Shabana Azmi as Admiral Margaret Parangoski. Danny Sapani as Captain Jacob Keys. Bentley Kalu as Vanek, 134. Natasha Kolzak as Riz, 028. And we got Natasha McElhone as Dr. Catherine Halsey. And we got Jen Taylor as Cortana, reprising her role from the Halo video game series. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? I got to take the easy one and and give mine to Jen Taylor as Cortana. She always kills it in this role, and it was great to hear her voice back from the video game series. That's the most interesting part of the game for me is her relationship with Master Chief, and it carries over just as well into the show. Tons of emotional scenes as usual, and somehow she just always takes a AI character and just makes it a lot more interesting. So got to give Jen Taylor a shout out. I have two that I'm kind of bouncing up, but I'll, I'll shout out the first one that came to my mind, and that'll be uh, Bokeem Woodbine as Soren. Um, while his storyline, as we'll get into it, does get a little 
weird. Um, I did like his character and I liked the performance overall. He was funny as hell. Yeah, he was just super funny. He was really badass. Um, but yeah, I just found his character overall really interesting, and I just like him as a as like a leader. And he was just yeah, just cool and badass. So yeah, and for my other one, I'll shout out Charlie Murphy as McKee. I thought she was really she put on a really good performance. Uh, her character is just really all over the place. Really, I I couldn't uh really make out what was happening there in the in the last couple episodes with with McKee. It, it seems like in her head she was just really conflicted all of a sudden. Whereas in the first few episodes, it seemed like she had a pretty straightforward mindset of what she wanted to get done. So, um, yeah, I just liked how Charlie Murphy played her. Um, yeah, overall, a good performance. That covenant language. I don't know how she spoke that, but that yeah. looked Ooh. impossible to say. <laughs> uh, this is tough, guys. I mean, I definitely wasn't expecting this coming in, but uh, you guys have already picked a few names. I'm looking at the rest of this cast, and it's really hard not to shout out a lot of them. I think a lot of these people are great. I mean, obviously, I think Pablo Schreiber's an easy one. I didn't expect to like come away like loving a new interpretation of Master Chief because his voice is just so incredible in the games. And here, not only was the voice great, but I really kind of like started to like the character in a new way because like we already said, you know, it's a very human character. They did something new with him. And I really enjoyed it. If I had to pick like maybe the best one, I mean... God, by the end, I understood where she was coming from, but I was like, oh, I hate you. And so I got to shout out Natasha uh, McElhone as as Halsey. I mean, Jesus. I mean, what a... So good. Oof, just, I guess we... Is calling her a villain too far? I don't know. But definitely an antagonist of the series for sure. Like I said, I understood where she was coming from at times, but her methods, I think, were a little bit too extreme. And I thought the performance was just... Very exceptional. Um, cannot wait to see what they do with this character going forward. Yeah, she was fascinating in this show. Um, and yeah, I definitely want to talk about her more because I, I would call her a villain of the show. But at the same time, I do buy that she cares about her Spartan. So she's just a very interesting character. Yeah. 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 She was good. All right. So real quick, we've talked about our thoughts, but let's jump into the critics just real quick to kind of get a gauge of where they are at in general. Uh, the first season currently holds an approval rating of 70% over on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 6.75 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Halo is too derivative of better science fiction series to emerge a fully formed elite, but glimmers of promise and faithfulness of the source material signal it's not out of the fight just yet. Yeah, I definitely agree that it, you know, it doesn't stand apart too much from other science fiction stuff but all of the stuff that i kind of noticed in this one like um shows like the expanse and and even some star wars stuff in here like all the stuff that i think it kind of borrows from are, are all stuff i enjoy so i didn't take that as an issue with the show yeah me neither i'm i'm a big science fiction guy yeah i think it does do a good job of uh deriving from star wars even i got a lot of like dune vibes uh so yeah i didn't have a problem with it yeah me neither it, it was always going to be a hurdle that maybe audiences weren't anticipating, but Halo is a very um, groundbreaking game when it came out, I think, just in the science fiction genre. I think games just were not doing those kind of science fiction stories. And obviously, whenever you're like, all right, we're going to make a TV show about it, it's like all of a sudden it's not as groundbreaking, if that makes sense, because there's tons of TV and movies that already did that. It was just it was kind of a revolutionary thing for like the gaming medium. So I totally agree. There's nothing like particularly like, whoa, I haven't seen that before. But I don't know. I wasn't really expecting that. So like you guys, it didn't bother me at all. I actually liked some of like the influences and in what they were taking, like picking and choosing for story and characters that we've seen in other places. Um, I think they just did really cool things. Did they do it better? No, but I think they did good stuff with it. 
To me, it just made the Halo universe more interesting. So I'll, I'll take that as a win. Well, speaking of more, how about uh, we use that as a little segue? Let's go ahead and get into more detail right now and get into our in-depth freeform discussion. As always, I'll open it up just with general thoughts before we move into specific points. Do you guys have anything stand out about the season as a whole that we haven't already mentioned? Yeah, I think we got to get into our uh, the titular Pablo Schreiber as John 117 or the Master Chief, because um, he is he's the guy for the show. So if he's not working for you, the show is probably not going to work. In the first episode, when he takes his helmet off and you see his face, I thought I was going to hate that. Actually, looking back on it now, I thought it was super smart to just kind of rip that bandaid off and then give him a lot of screen time with the helmet off. I think it helped kind of separate John from Master Chief because every time the helmet came back on, it was exciting and, and it kind of felt like two separate people. So I wanted to get your take on just Pablo Schreiber in the lead and then how did Master Chief work for you guys in the show? When you guys first told me about this show like a week ago, I didn't even know this thing was even coming out until y'all told me about it. I was like, oh shit, Halo, <laughs> that's funny. Um, and Pablo Schreiber was the lead. I was like, okay, I'll see what he can do. Um, and I think he, yeah, I think it was a really good fit. And he does kind of play like you said, Austin does kind of play that stoic soldier kind of guy, but also has like the curiosity about him too, about what's outside of the war life and all that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to say. Uh, performance wise, I kind of like I already said, I think he was very, very good. I really enjoyed him in this. And I don't know, there was just a lot of qualities about him. And I think everything just fired on all cylinders. I mean, the story they picked to tell with him at the forefront, I thought was really interesting because he's part of this greater conflict he already has legendary status by the time the show starts and that's cool but then like the show does a, i think a pretty good job of like having this huge like galactic war setting but it tells a kind of personal story in the center of it it's really kind of master chief coming to terms with like who am i you know is this what i want to do i didn't ask to be here as he finds out and so there's some really kind of interesting uh back and forth going on in his head and I think he just played so well in pretty much any relationship they set up with him, like whether it be with his other Spartans, with Halsey, with Cortana, even like little ones, like with uh, McKee, like later in the show, and then even Miranda Keys later in the show. It's just his dynamics with everybody, I thought, was just so interesting and so good and so different from everybody else. So he was kind of in that way the perfect center point of the show. Because he just interacts with everybody differently. He has his own relationships with people. So it's kind of it kind of makes him just like interesting to watch in every scene. And then you said it perfectly, Austin. Once he put that once he puts that helmet on, it's like, okay, it's time for action. And the action I thought was just awesome. I thought it was badass. So you get like fun character stuff and just really fun action. So yeah, I loved him. I thought he was great. Yeah, I don't know what exactly what it is about Pablo Schreiber's performance, but whenever he's on screen and in a room with other characters he just kind of like steals like he embodies the presence of master chief you really feel him when he's interacting with other people and i really like the subtle things he does in his facial expressions after the chip gets taken out because you can see him getting more curious and it's just like subtle twitches and maybe his eyes are like a, a subtle smirk or something like that um but just the way he emotes like softly because master chief like we talked about in the beginning is not a guy that typically shows a ton of emotion so just those little touches i thought were so cool about that character and this is something like a little thing that I kind of noticed or was uh, kind of questioning. Did most people know who he was without the helmet on? It seemed like he was more of a celebrity mm. as Master Chief, like with the helmet on. And then whenever he's walking around just like in his normal like black suit, uh, you know, his head explodes and everything like that. 
It's like people weren't even really looking at him. He was in the hallway. No one was like, oh my God, it's Master Chief. I think he has a bit more anonymity with the helmet off, especially in the public. Yeah. I think maybe people higher up in the military and obviously the other Spartans know who he is without the helmet yeah. on. But yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they made a point to say that like, you know, Master Chief is a celebrity because they use him for like marketing and promotion for the UNSC. But yeah, I'm guessing the public doesn't really know him without it, uh, which I thought led to some really great scenes like you said, Austin, whenever the chip comes out and he just kind of walks around reach for the first time as a quote unquote free man and kind of experiences new things and has like a newfound curiosity. And I think that curiosity, like you said, really kind of uh, makes the character so much more exciting. Like they, may, they I think they pulled the trigger at the right time in the show to pull the chip out. And then it's like, OK, now we're telling a new story with Master Chief. Like we're going to, you know, watch him kind of become deeper, more curious, like a new character. So, yeah, all that really worked for me. Yeah. And, and there are also a ton of factions in this show too. You've got the UNSC, the Rebels, the Covenant, the Pirates as well. And and kind of like you said, Matt, I, I want to get into these factions more, but I, I also liked that he is already established as the legendary Master Chief in this show because they kind of set up that the UNSC has been using the Spartans to quash the rebellion. And so I think if we had had a show about him just like going in and like murdering a town of civilians, because he's <laughs> done that as like that's they've set up, he's done that. Like I think it would have been a lot more harder to root for him. So I like that we kind of met him at this point in his career as opposed to like doing a prequel or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of said it there, Austin. I mean, that's something I've been thinking about, too. I think with all of these grand stories, it, it definitely things will slip us by, definitely for me, at least, uh, on first viewing. So when we talk about the organizations, I think I had a better grasp when it came to that. Like you said, like the UNSC, the insurrectionists on Madrigal, the Covenant, of course. Uh, the planets and stuff, like the locations and some of the lore, that's where things get a little bit more confusing. So maybe we should talk about that. I mean, what do you guys think of like the world itself they established? Like what what should we talk about here, do you think? I know a lot of this kind of darker stuff with the UNSC history comes up in a lot of the books outside of Halo. Um, but for me, as someone who's only played the games, I've always just thought of it as the UNSC and the Covenant. And that's for me, it was like, oh, that's kind of all there is to this game. So learning more about the rebellion and the politics within the UNSC and and then you have the pirates and then also you have the covenant's religion, like all that stuff was super cool. And I glad that I've, I was really glad they gave a lot of time to all that. Um, I found the dynamic with Quan Ha kind of being the descendant of this rebellion faction and her interact with Master Chief. I thought that was super engaging. Um, I was upset when they got away from that because I thought that was a really cool dynamic to kind of have Master Chief be learning about the people he's been attacking <laughs> for the majority of his career. Um, so that was super cool. And then also for me, um, within the the leadership of the UNSC, seeing how Miranda Keys is versus her mother and how her mother has kind of had all this control, but now Miranda's trying to step up more in the ranks of the military. thought that was really cool too. I don't know. Going into the organizations, I did like them. I feel like by the end, I was definitely confused in, in like the early goings. By the end, I feel like I had like a better grasp on like who everybody was, why they were a part of what they were a part of, which is always a good feeling to have when you have this many moving parts and factions. And I also like that, of course, it's not like a revolutionary storytelling thing, but it, it is really crazy whenever we, like, we transition back to the magical story and it's like, okay, we're getting to know the insurrectionists. And then you have Byrne Gorman, the actor, come in as like this maniacal, almost like dictator seeming guy. And it's like, well, who the fuck is he part of? And it's like, oh yeah, he's He's part of the UNSC. It's like whenever we're in the Master Chief storyline, the UNSC seems like this, you know, normal, higher than thou, like noble military faction. But then they employ people like this guy who are who's going around like 
trying to take over magical, like murder people. So it is definitely not all good, uh, some of these organizations. So I like that. I like how uh, you could see the cracks and see that not everybody was, uh, you know, living up to that quote unquote, like noble stature, which is it kind of makes more sense than why there are insurrectionists in the first place. And it makes sense why people like Soren would abandon uh, the UNSC to go kind of join up with the pirates and live that kind of life. So I did really like that by the end. That, like it's not everybody wasn't perfect. And even like the Covenant, like whenever we see some scenes where it's just them, I guess maybe I had some issues when we get to the finale. It seems like they went against what they were setting up. But it's like, you know, obviously the Covenant, you know, they're fighting this war and like they're killing people. Same with the UNSC. But whenever we go to like scenes with them. Uh, they don't seem like, you know, bad people. You know, they're just doing their thing. They're in a war as well. They're trying to win. They have their own motivations. So I like that we kind of got to humanize all sides, I would say. Um, and then in some cases with like the magical story, you're going to kind of villainize some elements like the UNSC, for example. So I really like that stuff with the factions. Yeah, I think a shining example, too, of kind of the the flaws in the UNSC is the Spartan program itself, because that was, for me, the most interesting one was the relationship between the Spartans and just the broader UNSC, because they're this own little thing that functions within there, and the whole military might be given orders, and then Halsey can come on just for the Spartans and override their own orders and say, do what you have to take to get Master Chief to me, even if you have to kill other Marines. So I found that really interesting, that they're like their own little shadow organization within the hierarchy of the UNSC. And that might be worth getting into the the Halsey and, and Master Chief and then also just the Spartan relationship too, because like we touched on, she's a really great villain antagonist for this show. Um, I got tons of Emperor Palpatine vibes from her with like the Order 66 stuff from Star Wars. Um, how'd you guys feel about that relationship? Ooh, I mean, yeah, Halsey's like her own faction within a faction, it feels like. Uh Really enjoyed this character, like we kind of set up. I mean, she I, I believe her that she is trying to do what's best for humanity. She's trying to find a way to extend their life, increase their reach, uh, make them better for the long term. And I I appreciated that and I understood that. But it's just her means were just so dastardly. It's like they kept getting like more evil and evils like each episode went on, like leading up to like the kidnappings, like you said. I mean, they literally would kidnap children they thought might be good for the program and then they would make a clone of that child and no no they're not just gonna leave that clone with the parents to live the rest of their life no they're gonna make the clone basically faulty and have that clone die soon after so that the parents like just think that there's no way that my child was cloned and taken away it's just they're dead i gotta move on oh my god (laughs) but there is like you said a thing i think at the beginning austin there is still I think a genuine care that she has, not just for John, but for the Spartans. Like, I guess maybe you could argue, well, she cares because like she probably views them less as people and more as her children. Her, They're her Spartan projects. Like they're her experiments. She brings um, up a lot that she raised them since they were six. So I, yeah. I do think there is a little bit of a paternal thing there. But I also think she she totally views them as tools, too. But I did also just like the family dynamic. I like seeing the Spartans interact. And it was always interesting because in the beginning, like they kind of function just as a team. But then once like one by one, they start removing their emotional chips. Then you have this dynamic of like half of them are still Spartans, but they think completely differently now. And then you have the other two. They're like, I don't know what you're doing and I'll kill you if I have to. And then by the end, they finally kind of come together. So, yeah, there was lots of unexpectedly interesting family dynamics through the Spartan program with like them together. Then, of course, Halsey is their mother um, was 
very scary at times, kind of heartwarming at other times. So yeah, a very bizarre balance they had to walk there. I didn't expect her to be kind of evil. At the beginning, I thought it was going to be Margaret that was going to be the evil one because Margaret kept putting some pushback on Halsey. So anyway, what do you guys think about that? Did y'all think that Margaret and the UNSC was plotting against them at the beginning and you kind of started realizing that Halsey was bad or did you guys kind of already catch on like at the beginning that she was something was going on with her? I had a brief understanding from the games that Halsey had a pretty dark background. So I, I like was loosely aware of that coming into the show. Yeah, I think the show does a good job, though. I feel like um, in the beginning of the show, I was certainly was kind of on Halsey's side. I was like, why are these people like coming after me for no reason? Like, I'm like their top doctor or scientist or whatever. Like, shouldn't they trust me? Like, why can't I do the Cortana program? Just let me try it out. I think it's going to make our Spartans even better. So why not? Um, and then by the end, you're kind of right, Keith, whenever like they kind of go behind her back and are able to take her power away, you're kind of like, yes, like, finally. How have we not done this already? Like, Jesus, get her out of there. Just even watching her, like, fake an emotional goodbye with her own daughter just so she can, like, somehow get, like, a retinal scan that will, long story short, give her access to Cortana even after her clearance has been taken away. It's like, oh, my God. Like, she's willing to backstab, betray anybody in order to, in her mind you know, discover the halo, which will advance human race, which is the classic scientist thing. Because it's like, I was always saying to myself, Halsey, do you know that the halo is going to somehow advance humans? Like you're, you just, you're saying that you're assuming that like, if we discover this thing, it's going to bring humans to as far as they can evolve. It's like, you don't know that. <laughs> so she's just like so obsessed with the idea that it's just corrupted her completely. The combat is where they bring in a lot of the video game mechanics, um, which for the most part worked, I think, for them. Sometimes it got annoying, but uh, I thought overall the special effects and the action in this show were top-notch. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really cool. I think it did d- definitely had some video game-like things in it, like maybe whenever it's looking through the point of view of yeah. the helmet. That um, got old real fast for me. <laughs> I didn't mind it too much, though, um, but something, something I thought was cool, just because I did not play the games that much, but... I did know a little bit of the weapons, like the uh, the blue sword and some of the guns. I thought that was kind of cool how they implemented those, especially the swords. Like, that looked really cool whenever they're whenever they're like stabbing it through people. Uh, it looked legit. So yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought the action was awesome. I I'm kind of with you that uh, the first person stuff was fun initially, and then it's like okay, we didn't we didn't need like this many. In fact, the one that got like annoying for me is like, okay, I get it. We're seeing Master Chief's face in this show. I'm down for that. But like once the helmet went on, did we need to get like the Iron Man like within the mask camera where like, we're <laughs> seeing his face even though he's yeah, wearing the helmet? I totally agree. Did, did I don't I think need we needed that. that. That must yeah. have been like a Pablo Schreiber, like, you got to have my face in this show more <laughs> or something, like in his contract. Because I actually liked when we were in combat because he's not in his helmet a lot in the show. So when we're in combat and we cut to him with the helmet on, I was like, this is awesome. And then it cuts to Pablo Schreiber's face. I was like, no, just show me the, show me the helmet. <laughs> and it wasn't yeah. even in it. Like, it wasn't even really his whole face. It was just zooming in on his nose, like his, bro- <laughs> his broken, bloody nose the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's just him, like, beating that guy's face and then curb stomping. And it's just like a close up of his nose and, like, half of his eyes. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought that stuff was goofy. But for the most part, 
like, look, first of all, it, it's a it's a TV show on a streaming service. So, like, it, does it feel like a huge blockbuster movie all the time with like some of like the CG and stuff? No, but it definitely worked well enough for me. The standout action wise, 100 percent is always going to be episode five. I think it is. Uh, I was going to call that out. Episodes yeah. five is Ooh. great with him trying to get the artifact to the ship. Whenever he's like, get all non-combatants into the cave. And he's like, everyone else on me. And they just like sprint into battle. Like the Spartans are running so fast. They're like running as fast as the warthogs with all like the Marines in it. Um, And just all the little moments whenever like the grunts running at him and he just like fires his pistol then throws the pistol at the grunts head and like slides, picks up a shotgun and is like blowing people away. The way he's jumping over the elites with his pistol and shooting him in the head was sweet too. He, like, sprints towards a brute and, like, grabs, like, a jackal's shield on the ground and, like, just in time to put up the shield, like, before the hammer hits it and he flies back, like, whoo! Yeah, the action was super fun. It felt well choreographed. I'm sure some people out there are going to have issues because I would say, I mean, there is, like, you know, little bursts of action throughout the show, but really it's kind of three big moments, which I would say, like, the entire Battle of Madrigal in the first episode is a big one, of course, and then the ending of episode five. And then I would say, really, the only other big set piece is in the finale, whenever they're, you know, the Spartans have finally regrouped and they're going to go try and get the artifact back. So is that enough for you guys? Like kind of those big three set pieces with like some other like little bits of action throughout. Was that enough? Did you want more? Or is it like the good feeling of like, ah, like they left me wanting more? I appreciated it because my biggest concern coming into the show was, is this going to be nine episodes of just Master Chief gunning down grunts? Like, I can go play the game if I want that. So I was happy that there was a lot more lore and story and character stuff. Um, and, and the fact that when we got the action, it was awesome. And, and like you said, well choreographed and for the most part, good special effects. Like, for me, it was like a treat of like, we got all the story stuff. Now let's watch Master Chief and the Spartans kick some ass for a while. Um, and just really quick on the video game mechanics. The one that worked for me the the best was the shield stuff, like the beeping and the way they come down and go back oh, up. I yeah. thought that was done really well in the mm-hmm. action, too. Yeah, I think we got enough. Um, actually, one thing I really did like, and I know y'all didn't like the storyline, and I, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, in episode seven, I believe it was, whenever oh, they yeah. go they go back to Quan's village, filling the hydrogen tanks up and able to, in order to shoot it and... And survive the blast and kill everybody. Um, I thought it was really cool, especially with Soren being like Batman, just being everywhere all at once. He really was. (laughs) (laughs) And taking out one or two guys at a time. I'm with you. I actually thought that scene was pretty awesome. And I really, I really like genuinely thought I was like, okay, Soren's dead here. They had stakes throughout the show. I guess maybe you could argue, ah, should they have committed to it? I don't know. Like, would it have been cool to see Soren die there? Maybe. Same thing in episode five. I really thought Kai was dying in that scene where, like, you know, her shield goes down completely and she's just getting destroyed. I was like, okay, I guess we're losing her. Maybe they kind of showed us, like, the negative side of pulling out your emotional chip. Now she's seeing all this carnage and she's, like, freaking out. I thought that was really well done, though, too. That was, a, that was a really good helmet cam, I thought, too, with her in it. And, like, yeah. you see her freaking out in the helmet. I thought that was cool. Yeah, so no major deaths, but I am with you, Keith. I, um, that episode seven was a, a pretty cool ending with that uh, big fight. I guess this is a good spot to dive into the Quan Soren storyline. Um, like I said at the beginning, when this was originally the Quan Master Chief story, I was super into it. Uh, the second Chief leaves and it's just Quan and Soren's story, I was like, just take me back to Chief. I, I don't care about any of this. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, unfortunately. I really wanted to love it. 
I was shocked, and I, I guess I get why they did it. I feel like this would have felt a lot like the Mandalorian if they had like just let Quan be with Master Chief the entire time. But it still was sh- like shocking that like literally they set up that relationship, and I think it's an episode and a half in to the nine episode run is whenever he leaves like the rubble and like now these are two separate stories. So yeah, very bizarre pacing I thought. And I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you, Keith. I always really liked Bokeem Woodbine. Uh, I was it, to a point where I was sad that he wasn't getting better stuff to do as Soren, but it wasn't like terrible, but I just, for whatever reason, didn't care enough. Like Quan's whole thing just became like, I have to go back to Madrigal and I have to avenge my father. I have to rally the troops and take it back. And that's cool. But for, for whatever reason, it never clicked. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't care about that. I think they did such a good job of establishing the stakes with Master Chief and these artifacts and the keystone and the background of the, of the Spartan stuff that every time we cut back to Quan and her story, it just wasn't important enough to like outweigh how interesting all the other stuff was with the Spartans and the UNSC. I, yeah, I like the story, but I see where y'all are coming from. It definitely doesn't weigh up to the other stuff. Uh, maybe they should have had like a better mission for her and uh, uh, Sorn to do instead of just going back to her village. It should have somehow tied back into the Spartan storyline, especially when she goes to those like mystical people in the desert and they say, you're a protector, and they mention a portal or something like that. I thought somehow that was going to tie back into the chief storyline, but that just abruptly ended, and they must be saving that for season two. I really thought um, the portal was going to be tied to the halo and somehow like these mystical people on Madrigal knew about the halo. And obviously that would tie into Chief and Mickey trying to get to the halo. And how does it end? Now that we're talking about it, how does it wrap up? Is it because it's episode seven? Is it just Soren and Quan like going their separate ways? He gets his money and he's like, stay safe, kid. They finish the battle. They explode the plant. They get rained on. And then he, she gives him that bucket of money, and then he's like, I'll see you later. And she's like, I could use you. And he's like, not on your life, kid. And then he flies away. <laughs> I knew I cared about more than just money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, are we going to see these characters again? I mean, it feels like what else is there? What is there to say with that? I don't care if we don't, I don't, care if we don't see Quan again, but Soren would be cool. I think we will just because they mentioned the portal stuff. So I'm, that's got to come back in season two. Yeah, so kind of going back to something I was thinking about kind of with like the humanity of some of these characters that we weren't expecting, maybe it might be fun to talk about Chief's backstory. Is it anything particularly interesting? No, not necessarily, but I did really like the way they told the story where he really doesn't have any access to uh, his past, essentially, or his memories and kind of slowly over the course of the show where he's interacting with these artifacts and then he meets Mickey, for example, and then he kind of gets in close with Cortana, who's able to help him kind of figure out elements of his past. And then Halsey comes clean. So like over the course of the show, we really do find out a lot about kind of his backstory that I think humanizes him. Like I said, was that interesting? Like, did that help you uh, like the character more? What was kind of the standout stuff with that? There's two things to this for me. I, I thought overall the, the flashbacks were really interesting, especially with the cloning aspect of replacing the kids like we touched on Um Learning all this stuff really helped turn Halsey into the villain of the show, which I thought was done really well. The only thing about this that didn't work for me is when the artifacts come into play and those are unlocking his memories, that didn't really click for me because it's like this it's this giant ancient alien thing. Why would this exist for a very specific purpose to unlock Master Chief's hidden memories? Like that was the only thing where I was like, yeah, that's that's a bit of a stretch for me. 
Yeah, the the artifact stuff was weird because it's like another thing that kind of slipped by uh, my brain as I was watching is clearly artifacts exist to somehow be once they're together, the Covenant can use it to find where the halo is, basically. And that's where like Mickey's story kind of uh, comes into play. Like that's what that's why she wants both of the artifacts. Um, But then there's kind of the added element of like both she and Chief as like these special humans can, for whatever reason, not only put the artifacts together to find the halo, but then whenever they touch it, it, like, gives them weird memories, like you said. It honestly just felt like they couldn't think of another reason to give Chief, like, a a way to figure out his backstory, because, yeah, you're I don't know why every time he touches it, he finds out about his past. Seems kind of bizarre. Like, it's like the thing is supposed to be a map, but then it also unlocks your memories. It's just a little bit goofy. So the artifacts also do uh, tie into McKee, like you said. Um, a character I was not expecting to get in this show, a human paired with the Covenant. Uh, very surprising to me, but I, I thought, for me, what I, what I really liked about McKee is it just gave us a way to learn more about the Covenant and kind of see it from a human's perspective. Uh, what do you guys think about her involvement and then kind of the broader uh, relationship with the Covenant? Yeah, I just couldn't tell. I, and what I'm about to say is what I liked. I kind of liked the whole confusion with it. I couldn't tell who she, whose side she was on. I mean, it felt like at the beginning she was on the Covenant side, obviously, and then they shoot her down. She, but it's her her idea, like, hey, shoot me down, and I'll play, you know, I'll be a spy. Whenever her and John have their involvement, it's like she's with John now. I don't know. And then she kind of goes back to the Covenant. I don't know. I, it was just getting confusing of like, who is she a double agent for for John for the UNSC for the Covenant? I think she just wasn't expecting to have a connection with John. And so when she did have that, she's, it's not necessarily that she's with the UNSC, but she's willing to, like, I think Cortana says that they fall in love. So she's willing to kind of follow John's lead. But then when the UNSC kind of um, attacks her and she gets hit with a taser and it reminds her of her childhood and how, how rough she had it with being with the humans, that's kind of what forces her back to the Covenant. If I had to say, like, Quan's storyline was my least favorite part of this season, while I like Charlie Murphy as Mickey, I, I do think the speed in which she and John develop a relationship is maybe another thing I don't like. It's kind of up there. It's it's definitely not handled super well, I don't think. I did like the idea of her kind of being completely disillusioned with humanity because of her childhood, because if she had been older when that happened, I don't think she would have had like the wherewithal to be like, all humans are like this, but because she was just kind of a kid and that's all she knew, it did kind of make it powerful to see how fast and how high she ranked up in the Covenant and, like, how she's willing to completely eradicate humanity. I was like, oh, shit, okay. I kind of buy into it. Kind of like what you said, Keith, I was never fully aware of what her motivation were in terms of, like, is she just, like, playing a part right now? But I kind of like that, too. It's just that once she and John link up, I guess the thing that was turning point that I thought was bizarre is, like, they, at some point, one of them or both of them, I can't remember, like, they touch the artifact, and, like, they're both, like, transported to the Halo. And in this version, like, in this timeline, unlike the games, it almost seems like at times the Halo is, like, this weird, like, ancestral plane. It's, like, almost like this weird religious place you can just go to. Whenever they're standing on the Halo, it's like, wow, this looks, like, otherworldly. This looks like a completely like a place you can't travel to which i thought was interesting but it's like once that happens then at that point it's just like okay we're in love now and then they just like start walking around reach and developing trust and a relationship 
So, yeah, I, I like the character in terms of like what she represented and like her connection to the Covenant. But once she and John kind of linked up, it, it was a little goofy to me. And then, of course, in the finale, she ends up leaving and, you know, dies, unfortunately. I was sad to see her go. But, yeah, I just I think like the Master Chief relationship was a, a little a little bit goofy at times. It, it was very quick the way it happened. It definitely was quick. I, for me, what worked about it is the fact that kind of like Cortana says, it's like these are the only two people that have this ability. So when they meet, I think they are going to have that instant connection. And then also not the fact that she immediately switches back to being on the human side, but the fact that she switches to being on John's side. I, that was what kind of worked for me about their relationship. I, I think it ended up leaving us in an interesting place with the characters. But yeah, it was just a little bit rocky. I do think we'll see her in season two, though. I think because her body got left with the Covenant, I think I think she'll be back. Or do you think it'll be only a character that John can see in the Halo? Something like that, yeah. I can definitely see that being a possibility with how they've like showed how Halo works in this one. Um, well, another character coming back for season two, for sure, that we haven't talked... We've talked about her a lot, just like in terms of like talking about individual scenes and specific like broad moments. But like really quick, I'm curious like about the Chief and Cortana relationship for you guys, because... In the games, over the course of a long time, we get to see them really develop, go from kind of how in this show, like they don't really want to work together, especially on the chief side of things. And they develop a very kind of touching friendship and companionship. And in this show, I, I really I really quite enjoyed it. I thought it felt very realistic how he doesn't want somebody literally in his head and like who can read his thoughts. But and they kind of go through gaps where he's like, fuck off, just get out of my head, leave me alone. And she actually does. And then like, she'll show back up later when uh, he needs her. But I, I really liked their back and forth. I, th- I thought it was very interesting. I liked how she um, didn't really know him, but still cared for him because she kind of has, as an AI, still some humanity to her. So what does that say about maybe her connection to Halsey? Halsey might still have some humanity left. But anyway, before I kind of start rambling, I really like their relationship. What do you guys think of the Chief and Cortana back and forth in this? Yeah, this is definitely a highlight for me of the show. Um, also, the most traditional to the game, I think, too, in this in this show. So that, I think, also just kind of, it's, it's very familiar. So I thought that was a nice touch, too. I liked at the beginning that she's very loyal to Halsey because Halsey is her creator. But then as she gets to know John and sees his humanity and, like she said, sees him fighting for his humanity and realizes that the humanity and the emotional stuff is what makes humans special. And that kind of puts her on the other end of how Halsey sees humanity. All that really worked for me. I thought it was great. Um, and also, I know a lot of people have issues with the design of Cortana in the show. It really grew on me by the end of the show. I liked it. Every time she popped up, it wasn't as jarring as we got further into the show. So everything about Cortana, I thought was great in this one. Yeah, I really liked her. I liked the uh, the voice, uh, Jen Taylor, I think her name is, mm-hmm. um, like, who I guess was also in the, the Halo games too. So that's pretty cool they brought her in. Um, but yeah, I liked, I liked the parts where she's talking to John and he's telling her to get out. And all that. She's like, I, I, I'm gonna put, I can put you into a stasis. He's like, no, don't do that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's funny. And especially like the, I think it was the last episode whenever they kind of had a really deep conversation about Halsey and, and how it all work, how it will all work if she does take over his body and all that. Um, so that was a really cool conclusion to her at the end of the season. I liked in that final episode when Cortana makes her joke too, he laughs and he hadn't done that any of your other jokes. So that was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a great thing about Cortana is that she's funny. You know, I mean, she's 
enjoyable to be around, which you would hope if you had an AI in your head that they would be. So, yeah, I kind of I, I like her. She like isn't a robot in the sense that everything that comes out sounds super logical. Like she's kind of she can get confused. She can be curious about things. So, yeah, it's just a very easy character to watch and always in the games in here. It's a perfect pairing with somebody like, you know, John, who's just the opposite of all that. So super fun to see. And yeah, I can't remember if they ever introduced in the games, like if Cortana had the ability to essentially take over John's body. Uh, I don't I also don't remember, like, if she had the ability to, like, put him into stasis, like she had basically in this show the ability to kind of control motor functions. So I thought they did a good enough job setting it up. I, I was surprised by it. But whenever we get to the finale and it's like, is it like, do we fully understand why, like, Master Chief is going to be like way better if Cortana's in charge? No, but I still thought it worked well enough. And it was like kind of scary. Like he basically dies and she fully takes over and it's like is that a good thing is that a bad thing like i still don't know and i like that i don't know yet so yeah like not only do they have like a good back and forth but there was kind of like this weird interest like story-wise to how their relationship can work because there are these elements of like she can maybe take over too much so we'll see where that goes yeah that's the thing i'm most fascinated for uh going into season two is just how that is going to work with cortana being fully in charge now and i thought it was interesting that she didn't talk at all when she was in charge of Master Chief, even to the crew. So I'm wondering if that's a choice she's making or if she's still trying to figure out how to fully operate this body. But I want to know how long it's going to be until Chief is back in the season two. Is that a full commitment? Is that something they undo in like the premiere? Like, I, I want to know how long it's going to be until uh, we see Pablo Shriver's face again, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've, like, I've seen some people say like, oh, whenever Cortana takes over... It's like the show's way of signaling because like the final scene, whenever Kai's like, Chief, are you OK? And he does like the classic game thing where he just like looks over in your direction and doesn't say anything and then just like turns back. So is it like is this their way of like. In season two and going forward, like he's going to be more akin to the games, like less human after getting his origin story here. And now he's going to be more of like it did feel like the game for sure yeah. in that moment. I don't know if I want that after seeing this season, but maybe that's what they're setting up is he's going to be kind of more stoic going forward. Or is there a way like somehow, like you said, that they can be uncoupled somehow, like Cortana can rel relinquish some control and John comes back. But he did die. So I don't know how that would work. John also did say right before that he trusts her to find a way to get him back. But I like that. I like that as kind of the cap off of their back and forth. Um but yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of like where all of our other characters left off? We talked about Soren, of course. We talked about Quan. We just talked about Chief and Cortana. But in the finale is kind of um, the cap off to a lot of the other characters, particularly I would say with the Spartans. Uh, Kai, another huge character we haven't talked too much about who I really liked that just immediately after seeing Chief take out his emotional pellet, like it's not like a two episode arc where she's like, should I do it or should I not? She just immediately does it. <laughs> and so then she becomes kind of a main character and she's one that I'm excited to see, of course. Halsey, same way. We found out she's still out there. So there's lots of characters that are still up and still active. I mean, uh, what do you guys think of where the finale left off with some of the other players? I think that's the best thing I can say about the show is I, I just want to see more. I want to see where all these characters go. Um, I hope Quan Ha and Soren's story is more involved with Chief's story. If, if it's not next season, I don't want to see a ton of it like we got this season. It kind of seems like they might be setting up Kai to kind of fill the Master Chief role while John is actually gone with Cortana just in charge. So that could be kind of interesting to see. It also seems like they are 
really setting up that the next season is going to be more of just the UNSC versus the Covenant conflict because now we have their holy artifact and the Covenant is extremely pissed and they also know where their home world is now too. So I, I think next season will probably be more akin to the games, kind of like you said, Matt. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm most curious about Halsey and the fact yeah. that she died, but I guess that was her clone that died. Uh, so yeah, I'm, serious, I'm curious to see what how, what she does, how she's going to make a comeback. With John and Cortana, yeah, if, if Cortana does get John back and John does come back in charge, I would like to see him and Soren maybe team up for like a, like even if it's only an episode long thing, maybe like a quick um, mission or some sort of skirmish of some sort. I was happy Halsey's creepy peepy little assistant got killed by Kai. Oh, that was so that satisfying. Weird. That was so satisfying. That guy was, yeah, that guy creeped me out. Tried to make out with her clone. Ugh. <laughs> that was a badass kill from Kai too. That was awesome. <laughs> Just shoves his head into like the, the light or whatever it was. Um, yeah, another character we didn't talk too much about, which I don't know, maybe is kind of an issue with the show. Maybe we just had too many characters and we couldn't spend time with all of them. But I do think they could make use of uh, them in season two. But I really liked Miranda Keys, Halsey's daughter, who um, over the course of the show comes into more power. And you kind of see that she's a bit more... I don't know, a bit more of a human, I guess you could say, compared to Halsey, a bit more of an optimist and wants to do the right thing. But I think they kind of planted enough seeds by the end where you could kind of see that she definitely never agreed with her mom. But I think by the end, whenever she kind of is in charge, you can see that she is like, oh, shit, OK, these are the types of decisions I have to make. These are the type of choices that were put forth. Maybe I do understand how somebody would go this far to protect and further humanity. So I'm excited to see what happens with her. Um, and just the other Spartans, like, will the other Spartans like remove their chip or are they just going to keep being who they are and just let Kai be the only one with the chip out? So yeah, they're like a bunch of the side characters. I'm curious where their stories are going to go after this. I'm just glad season two has been confirmed and that we are getting more. Um, and I think for the most part, it's been pretty well received and I would say, I bet they will get a bigger budget and we're going to get even more sweet action because it was great this first season. I want to know more about the Halo, uh, the titular Halo, because uh, like we said, uh, from what we've seen so far, it seems to be very different than what the Halos actually are in the games. Um, so I'm curious, like what it actually is. Is this like an actual place you can go or do you just have to like touch the artifacts? And if you're special, you're kind of like transported there. So I'm curious, like how and if the Halo itself will tie into the plot going forward. I think I'm with you guys. I don't too much to add. I would like to get more involvement with the UNSC and kind of see what what their overall motivations really are. I mean, I mean we get a lot of it in the show, but I want to get some more background on it and see how they came about. I do think a prequel show, not necessarily about Master Chief, but just set in the Halo universe about like kind of like you said Keith how the UNSC came into power and their maybe their first contact with the Covenant. I think that could be pretty interesting too. Yeah, like how long has this been going on exactly? Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, Austin, I know you and I played it. Will they ever do like a version of the Fall of Reach? Like, will that place be destroyed? And will the UNSC and everybody else have to go elsewhere? That could be interesting. Um, but I don't know. Lots of things they could do. They could adapt storylines from the games. Or I'm totally happy if they just kind of keep going with the story they're setting up. Because it sounds like we all agree that it's pretty interesting. So I have lots of questions. But it's not that, that weird thing where... A season ends and you feel like you have more questions than answers. Like, I have a lot of questions for sure, but I feel like they're all, like, interesting questions. Questions I'm excited to get the answers to later. Well, I think we would all give a big 
well done to the cast and crew behind the Halo series, but that's not the only awards we give out on this show, is it, Matt? It's not. We give out the Arnie Podcast Awards, um, which are very prestigious. Everybody's been emailing us asking, hey, can you throw me one? And we're like, no. Okay, we don't operate that way. You can't buy our awards. No, you industry can't buy people. our love, Steven Spielberg. Fuck off. <laughs> so, of course, this is just the part of the show where we single something out. It can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, can be something in between. Just our opportunity to give an award to something that we think deserves it from the thing we are talking about. Of course, today is Halo. So, guys, who wants to start us off? What do you think deserves an award? Yeah, I'm going to give the uh, Matt Johnson Queasy Stomach Award to the moment when Makai removes her fingernail oh, I, I was, was going to call that, that too. And I knew my buddy Matt was getting a queasy stomach there yeah, in that I scene. I looked away during that. Yeah. I'm going to be uh, piggybacking on that one because my award was the most in need of a manicure award that goes to McKee right after Matt's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's lucky that the Covenant didn't notice that <laughs> when she got back. She just like kind of hit her finger. <laughs> she's lucky she got shot too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's lucky she's dead. <laughs> Now she can't be tortured by the Covenant. I guess that is true. Uh, burned at a stake, like Mercy says, that one ugh. scene. I, I, I got one that, I have to be honest, was, uh, I thought it looked good, don't get me wrong, but I just was like, does it work that way? As somebody that suffers from chronic nosebleeds, I'm very familiar with blood, my own blood specifically. And so when I watched the show and Kai took her blood and put it in her hair, that was questionable to me. So my award today is, does blood work like that award? I don't think it stays in your hair forever. <laughs> Especially when you're sweating under your helmet. Yeah. I think it's coming out. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, the Spartan super soldiers, blood just hits a little bit different for them. It uh, is a permanent stain. So yeah, her hair is like that forever. <laughs> it would be really sticky too. It'd be smelly too. It's not like I chunks in it. Yeah. Ooh, just got another queasy stomach right there. Ugh, <laughs> All right. Before I vomit, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Ernie's is our social, and TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for a long-awaited Stranger Things conversation since Season 4 Part 1 drops next week. It's crazy to think that our podcast didn't exist last time Stranger Things was on, so it should be an interesting talk. Well, also, if you want to hear another uh, Part 2, Part 1 conversation, uh, we did put out our thoughts on Ozark Season 4 Part 2. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on how they finally concluded the story of the Bird family, be sure to go back on your podcast feed and check that out. Yeah, and lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of the first season of Halo? Will Madrigal ever be liberated? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. Look forward to Stranger Things, and I guess look forward to the next week in general. Getting two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi next week as well. Top Gun Mavericks out, so lots of stuff to go watch. So enjoy your week, and remember, finish the fight. See ya. Hopefully George Lucas isn't involved with the Obi-Wan show. Yeah.